It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Heads up, this episode is about macho culture in kitchens, so there's going to be some cursing. Well, I wonder if most restaurants that I'll eat at are, are run the way that Gordon Ramsay would run his restaurants, you know, where he's just screaming. Come here, come here, come here, come here, you. What are you doing? Just what the fuck are you doing? You're standing there, you're screwing me, and you're... I spent a couple days working at some of his restaurants in London. They were they were intense. <laughs> oh, man. Def, definitely the most abusive restaurants I've ever I've ever seen. I mean, there was a lot of yelling and cursing. I mean, the worst thing I saw was one was one of the chefs throwing a um, a pan that like that had just had hot sauce in it at, at a cook, um, like and like hot hitting the cook on the chest with a hot pan, like splashing them with hot sauce. Um, I saw a cook like a, a chef plating a scallop that was a little bit overcooked, and he picked it up and threw it at a cook at the guy who cooked it. Um, That's so brutal. Yeah, yeah, and on on one end it's like, Jesus, like the like these are just assholes. But yeah, um, seriously, you know. But on the other end it's like, all right, well, like it, it's it's a business model that's working for them. So like, um, what is the incentive for them to stop doing that? You know. A lot of us have laughed at this kind of thing when hilarious celebrity chefs did it on TV. Abuse in restaurants is so common that it's a reality TV cliche. But there's a slow reckoning underway for many of those chefs. Kenji Lopez-Alt doesn't deny he's had his own moments of succumbing to this culture. On some level, I get it. Kitchens are intense places, and their military-like structure can mean harsh and even brutal treatment. But Kenji has his own kitchen now, and his years on the other side of the power divide means he's going to be doing things a lot differently. I'm Eamon Ismail, and you're listening to Man Up. On this show every week, we tell honest stories about our lives and investigate where we get our ideas about what it means to be a man. Kenji has been cooking in kitchens for decades, and he's also a god to amateur cooks obsessed with the science behind every step of every recipe. Now for the first time, he's running his own restaurant. He's the kind of guy you might expect to be a yeller behind the scenes, but he's decidedly different than what I expected. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Kitchens, um, the, the way they're traditionally structured and the way that the culture traditionally is, there is a very strict power structure and it's a very steep pyramid. And the person at the top has a lot of power over everyone else, like literally over, can right. tell them what to do and what not to do, when to be there, when not to be there. And people listen. And so when you give 
people a lot of power over their employees. It doesn't surprise me the amount of abuse that took place, both the sexual and the and verbal and physical abuse. Yeah. So, you know, especially because kitchens do tend to be all, all male environments or um, women who behave in sort of the traditionally, typically male macho, what would be typically considered macho ways. And so there there does become this like, you know, locker room culture where people just talk about talk about servers and talk about other and, and talk about, you know, girls and like that. That's just what the, you know, I, I, it's like a insecure man thing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> no, I, yeah. I was just talking to our producer, Cameron, who was telling us about how he heard that in restaurants, cooks will show off their their oven burns or, or heat burns oh, yeah, or scars sure. as if like it was like a battle scar or something to show off. Yeah, people would definitely compare their scars. And there was definitely, you know, competitiveness in terms of like who can who can cook the fastest, who can do this the fastest. But, you know, my first sort of fancy restaurant job was at Number 9 Park where the chef is Barbara Lynch. Um, and she like very much fits that mold. It's not that you have to be tough. It's that you have to behave the way men behave. Which is, you know, and and I don't mean this as any discredit to her, like, or, and what she's built and what she's done, but she she does it in a fashion that's very similar to how very, you know, sort of more macho chefs do it in terms of, you know, in terms of the intensity level and the expectations and the amount of, um, you know, not not as bad as I've seen it in other places, but the amount of yelling that goes on in kitchens. Yeah, um, there's definitely definitely yelling and definitely scary, uh, you know, like I remember my first week there, like. Um, I I'd spent about 45 minutes slicing chives because someone had asked me to. And so I was standing there slicing chives for the whole line. And then um, Barbara comes over and she sees um, the chives on my cutting board and then just dumps them into the trash. Like, and it's like, and I was just like looking at it like, you know, and it's like, you just like feel like you just died inside because like this stuff thing that you've just been working on, it was just like thrown in the trash, Um, you know, and then she showed me the right way to do it. But, and, and in the, and in the end it's like, all right, like if you're, if you're, um, working with a really strong sense of urgency and you're under pressure and the restaurant's about to open and like you don't have time to, you know, sometimes it's like you don't you don't have time to explain to them why you're about to throw your chives in the trash. At least that's the rationale. Yeah. Um, and so you do it and then afterwards you explain why and, and you and you try and teach them better. And I think, you know, that's that's like a horribly inappropriate thing to do when you're working at a magazine and you're at an editorial meeting and someone throws an idea at a brainstorming session like you shouldn't just immediately trash it and explain why their idea was terrible. Um, like it's just you know it's like it's bad it's 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 bad both on a on a sort of fundamental human to human interaction level and it's also just bad for the for the for the end result um, in when you're working in that kind of environment. And so yeah, you know it's like just like unlearning unlearning behaviors that that were sort of built into you um, that I would say in um, contextually in the kitchen are. are I wouldn't consider them like sort of abusive, but when you take them out of the context of the kitchen, they, they definitely can be. And that, and that was just, you know, that was like on the tamer end of how these, I think, high-end restaurants were in the, um, um, and, and in many cases still are. That's how you got things done, like that you were expected to behave that way. And yeah. if you didn't, you were, you were sort of seen as weak. That's really interesting. It, it almost felt like you had to conform in a, in, to a certain degree to survive you know for me a lot of the kitchens i worked in did sort of you know remind me of high school there's sort of there's the the sort of the, the natural power structures that build up they're like all right like these guys are the bullies like all right he's like he's like one of the cool guys like oh he's the slacker you know they, like if people have their sort of their breakfast club roles in every professional kitchen and you know and the breakdown of them of them obviously changes and in some places they're they're more um more sort of helpful people than others but in, you know in the worst of them um 
almost everybody is just sort of out for themselves, hyper competitive, kissing up to the chef type who <laughs> um, would you know doesn't have time to answer questions, doesn't have time to to talk about the food because they need to move on to the next to the next project or whatever. So I still don't understand exactly why aggression and like this plain ruthlessness is so normal in kitchens. Is it necessary? Like, wh why are so many chefs so brutal? You know, the, the kitchen system in restaurants came from came from the French military system. So, you know, so kitchens were literally set up to mimic the military in terms of chain of command. And so you end up with the same sort of military hazing structure where, you know, new people are shot on. And then as you move up the ranks, like, all right, well, like they did it to me and it worked on me. So I'm going to keep doing it to the new guys. Like, it's now it's my turn. Um, so even if like you don't pers even if you're not a sadist who personally gets pleasure out of like hazing the new guy, it just it just becomes like a part of the culture that everyone went through it, and so like now everyone participates on the other end of it, and you and you end up considering it as a sort of this like type of camaraderie, and you know, and in, in many ways it is a type of camaraderie, but at mm -hmm. the same time it's a very exclusive camaraderie that occurs at the um, expense of other people. When you're working in a restaurant, like you have very, very tight deadlines. Like you're, you're constantly working urgently. So, so definitely like a lot of the sort of normal, you know, niceties of everyday interactions and of like an office job or something would um, necessarily go by the wayside. And I think that that is always going to happen. Um, it's just like, you know, there's intense pressure on chefs and in kitchens to get more done with less resources and less people all the time. So a few years ago, before he died, Anthony Bourdain did an interview with Slate. And I wanted to read a quote for you so that you can respond. He said, I have done stupid offensive shit. And because I was, I was a guy... A guy in a guy's world who had celebrated a system. Um, I, I was very proud of the fact that I had endured that as a middle-class kid that I found myself in this very old, very frankly, phallocentric very oppressive system and i was proud of myself for surviving and i celebrated that and rather you know enthusiastically does that resonate with you at all yeah absolutely um you know I, anthony bourdain's book kitchen confidential came out right around the time i was starting to work in professional kitchens and thinking about going into it as a career and so it definitely like had a major influence on on me and so yeah for sure like at that time i was like oh yeah you know like kitchens like like cooking and and, you know, like rock and roll, let's go. And so I, I that sort of life, not, you know, not necessarily the the criminal elements of it, but the sort of adrenaline and like the challenge, challenge yourself every day and like the competitiveness of it did really appeal to me at the time. But, you know, definitely, I think just in the same way that Bourdain did, like, I'm glad that I've I'm glad that I've changed my ideas about that and yeah. thought about it a lot more and no, you know, no longer want to participate. In, and, you know, in a sense, you know, Anthony, I think Bourdain, like, personally had it bad because, you know, he wrote that book that glorified it. And then years later, he had to sort of live with the fact that, that this book has left a legacy. I got out of restaurants and went into writing and sort of learned a lot of these lessons before, you know, writing my book or before before sort of really um, finding my voice and, 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 and starting my current career. But yeah, you know, I was definitely like sort of part of that world when I was um, when I was a cook. But you don't run your kitchen that way, right? Like you, you were describing your kitchen as having a totally different culture, one where well, if someone were to mess up, you would help them understand it afterwards, maybe after it was closing. 
I, yeah, well, well, especially especially if it's sort of like a personnel related thing where it's like you know if there's if there are people who are having a problem or if someone is like slacking off or whatever. Definitely, yeah, we never we never like dress down in public, you know. And and those things I think those things are good because I think you 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 know you don't want to go into your job and then come home feeling like like shit. Like you don't want to feel you don't want to get yeah. publicly dressed down. You don't want to feel miserable. Like you want to you want to go home feeling like. Um, you know, you you did your job, and like you know, maybe there's a couple things you can improve, and that and that, but you're that ex- excited to go in and work on them the next time, um, and so that is you know sort of what we try and do. At the start of this interview, I was hoping to understand why so many kitchens operate like a boot camp, where everyone is subject to routine abuse. But at this point, I'm more interested in the transition Kenji is describing, how he moved on from that. I have zero doubt he knows when people are screwing up, so what's stopping him from throwing a pan of scallops? So I do want to talk about your restaurant, Worst Hall. Mm-hmm. It opened in California mm-hmm. last year. Uh, yeah. So when you were opening that restaurant, what were, some th- what were some things that you were thinking about when it came to changing the kitchen dynamic from what you were used to, maybe from other kitchen jobs? Mm, well, a lot of it was coming up with those sort of list of rules, that we, the basic list of rules we have. Um, a lot of it was candidate screening for um, sort of management level positions. And then also sort of actively um, finding ways to make it understood that your um, culture is different, um, to attract candidates, to attract people to a place where they expect to be treated differently and expect to behave differently. Um, so a lot, of, you know, a lot of it is like thinking about what the frustration points were for me. When I was working in restaurants yeah. and, and figuring out ways to address them, and then um, and then also a lot of it is sort of figuring out the you know reading a lot of um, well talking to a lot of women chefs and um, reading a lot of uh, feminist writing and and figuring out good ways to attract and retain like a well balanced gender representation in your kitchen. Um, so because you know I, I really believe that that does help with the um, the, the culture element. It almost feels like. You're taking more of a soft touch versus more of an authoritarian culture. So I'm um, Yeah, I'm, you know, and, yeah. and it's not like we're totally soft. It's like, you know, we're still a restaurant. We still have to serve food. It still has to be consistent. We still have a very tight budget. So, you know, people still work hard. But yeah, but we we very consciously avoid the um the you know, the abusive and belittling behavior that um, other restaurants have. And and we take sort of active steps to make sure that people treat each other with respect. One thing that stood out to me about your answer, though, uh, you you were very deliberate in saying, no, 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 it, it, it is a soft touch, but people are still working hard. That made me wonder if you do need a certain degree of tough love, maybe not what you see in Gordon Ramsay shows where he's just calling people an idiot sandwich. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it is a fine line, fine edge to ride on, you know, like especially in the middle of service when um, when it's hectic and there's orders and people waiting for their food um, and someone makes a mistake. Like it is definitely a hard line, a fine line to ride where it's like, all right, like how much how much do they need to be explained or disciplined right now to the so that they produce acceptable results for the rest of the night versus how far is too far that they feel like they've you know, that feel humiliated and feel like they're going to be dejected for the rest of the night or, you know, or in the worst cases, they're going to they're going to walk off and leave because you've injured, insulted their pride. Right. So how do you reprimand someone if someone were, for example, to be chopping chives and they were to totally mess it up and this batch was worthless and you had to throw it out? How would you handle that? 
So that literally happened today. <laughs> so I don't even have to give it to you hypothetically. That literally happened today, the chive thing. Um, so I was at I was at the restaurant this morning, um, and um, David, one of our line cooks, was. It, this was like at ten thirty a.m., so about half an hour before we opened for lunch. And one of our line cooks was chopping chives. Um, and with chives, you can hear it when they're being chopped properly. So like when you when you sl- what you're supposed to do is slice them with a sharp knife. Mm-hmm. And when you slice them, they kind of go like like a very quiet sound. And whereas when you chop them, it does this kind of like like this crunchy sound. And what that sound is is the sound of like cells being crushed. Um, and so you can hear when someone's chopping chives wrong. And so I heard that. And, was, and, and so I walked over and I looked. And, and so in this case, like, um, it was before we opened. And so I just, I, in this case, I just walked behind the line. And I, and I said, hey, like, can I just show you something real quick? Um, and then, like, we checked his knife and saw that it wasn't sharp enough. Went and got a sharper knife. Um, and then, um, you know, and then I showed him, like, how when you, when you do more horizontal motion with the knife, um, you get cleaner cuts than if you do more up and down motion for this, you know, for this specific task. And so... Um, and, and then the, the chives that he had, um, crushed, we use them in, um, we use them in, in our, um, Spetzel batter where it doesn't matter if they're crushed a little bit, but, Mm. um, so, you know, this, I guess this is a relatively easy example because it wasn't during service. Um, so I didn't have to make that flash decision of like, all right, like, do I stop him now? And like, and, and make this short and like, just, you know, tell him, just tell him to change without explanation in front of everyone. Um, or do I wait until after service where I can give him more time. But, but, you know, the long, the long answer is, um, there are times for sure when whoever is expediting the chef on duty has to immediately tell someone, Hey, like stop doing it that way. Do it this way. I'll explain later and expect them to do it and people will do it. Um, but you know, one of our basic rules is like, if you know, it's always important to explain why. Um, and you know, I think this is important for, writing um for running a kitchen for raising a baby you know it's like always you always explain why because you want the person to understand their mistake and understand why you want them to do it a different way because if you don't then like you know they're going to fall into the habit again um or they're going to just think you're being bossy for the sake of being bossy um so um so whether it's at the moment when you have time like today where i had time before service um or um it's after the rush and you're in between services or at the end of the night um you always want to explain why um you told someone to do something um so that you know they they know that you're not just being arbitrary so i'm really curious about this transition i i want to know how you decided that you wanted to run your restaurant differently how did you repel that that feeling like you needed to run things the way that they've always been run how did that happen so I'd been out of the industry for about ten years um, and worked in other environments. So I guess seeing you know seeing seeing how other environments operate and how normal human interactions are like definitely affected me. Also, I think a lot of self reflection and realizing, thinking about like what what actions I've done that have harmed other people versus helped and ways I could modify my behavior. Um, you know, and a lot of that you know very much driven by um, conversations I've had with um, my wife, who's also um, a very devout feminist. Yeah. So for me personally, this like wanting to change was always easier said than done. Like, mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's very easy to first like decide that there's something that you want to change about yourself. Right. But it requires a, a, a certain level of introspection. For for you, it feels like you were very comfortable with confronting it head on. I'm really well. I'm really I, curious I about say that. that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, no, I definitely wouldn't say that. It took me—I mean, it took me years to do, and and it was especially at the beginning. It was very, very, it was very, very difficult. Ask any of my friends what I was like ten years ago, or or, or my wife what I was like ten years ago, and um, um, it it was definitely a long, 
um, and difficult process and, and ongoing. And, you know, and I think it's always an ongoing process. You always have to sort of continually sort of self-reflect. Yeah. Do you mind giving us a little bit more insight into what that process was like? I, I would say a lot of it was, um, you know, it stemmed from confrontation from like friends and family and um, and my wife. Um, you know, like when, when you're in college, people don't talk about feelings much. And so if, you know, and, and so you sort of develop behaviors in college um, and like, it's cool to be an asshole and all these things. And it's like, um, and, and nobody ever tells you, you know what, it's not cool to be an asshole. Um, and, and then, you know, then I went straight from college to working in restaurants where it's cool to be an asshole. Um, and nobody ever told me, you know what, it's not cool to be an asshole. And so it, um, when I got out, you know, that was like a solid, whatever it was, 10 years of just thinking, being of it being reinforced that it's cool to be an asshole. It's cool to be, um, competitive and aggressive and all these things. Um, and so I didn't even realize like that I was an asshole. Um, and until, you know, like, you know, one time, like I, I like belittled my roommate because she made pancakes from a boxed mix instead of making them from like raw ingredients. Um, and then like, um, you know, our, our friend was over for breakfast and like afterwards he came to me, he's like, you know, like that was like, you're an asshole. Like you just like, <laughs> you, you made her feel really terrible. Um, and they were like, what was the point of that? And so it's like things like that that really make you think like what you know what other things have I have I been doing that have been like hurting these people who I care about and like and and what is like why why is the equation that's currently in my head so so fucked up and like why 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 do I think it's worth hurting these people just for these dumb things like the um the the number of ingredients in your pancake you know it's like it's like <laughs> dumb like you, it's like, it's it really I think it's a, a matter of like your priorities getting thrown off whack and you really having to think down sit down and think about what is important and what your priorities are and then modifying your behavior based on that yeah I can imagine what that moment was like for Kenji recognizing the abuse he dreaded from his earlier restaurant jobs and himself. Macho kitchen culture is foreign to me, but I can think of plenty of moments where I was that guy. And maybe all it takes to start changing is realizing that you've probably been him, too. And that's the show. Thanks for listening. Just another reminder here that we do love getting emails and voicemails here at Man Up, and we'd love to hear from you, too. So if you have thoughts about this week's episode or maybe some ideas about what to talk about next... Leave a message at 805-626-8707. That's 805-MANUP07. Or you can email us at manup at slate.com. So if you like this episode, please consider supporting the kid and leave a review in Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to listen. Not only do we appreciate it, it also helps other people find the show too. Man Up is hosted and written by me, Eamon Ismail. Our producers are Danielle Hewitt and Cameron Drews. Our executive producers are Jeffrey Bloomer and Lowen Liu. Gabriel Roth is the editorial director of Slate Podcasts, and June Thomas is the senior managing producer of Slate Podcasts. Make sure you're subscribed, because we'll be back next week with more Man Up. You won't want to miss it.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.